and welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. I'm Simon Craft, and who's with me? I'm caught in a rad romance, it's Ben Aspinall. Yep, and today we're going to be discussing our moment in the sun, or in the fog, should I say, the televised game against Wigan Athletic from, from Friday night in the FA Cup. Quite a bit to discuss, and we're going to have differing perspectives on that, because I was there in the ground, uh, whereas you were watching on TV, so you could actually see what was happening in the game. I had the luxury of being able to see the action, yeah, so um, I'm going to lord that one over you for most of the podcast today, if that's all right. Yeah, that's fine, yeah, and I have actually been sad enough to watch the BBC coverage back, and Mm. yeah, a lot of that I was seeing for the first time, basically, but yeah. (laughs) But yeah, let's start with the the build-up to the game, because yeah, the questions really were, would the game be on? Sort of the day before, it was mostly about the frost, is the pitch going to be frozen, have we got the frost covers out, and then the fog... Uh, became the issue as the game approached. You were seeing different things being said on like Red and Blue and Twitter and things, weren't you? So it was all a bit touch and go. Because I was watching um, on TV and I was I was going to watch with the fellow Manchester Minstermen uh, in the centre of Manchester, it was kind of out of sight, out of mind in a way. So I just thought the game was going to go ahead. I can't say I was really worried about it being called off. There were one or two work treats that did make me think, oh, hello. But it was more a case of I was just kind of thinking of the social element of the day, of the evening, getting to the pub at the right time, that sort of thing. So I can't say I was too uh, weighed down with the stress of whether the fog would lift. But when we did get to uh, our destination and we did start watching the coverage, the sight of or lack of sight of the LNER's uh, seats and the players warming up in the background, yeah, definitely did cause for alarm, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously the ref gave the go-ahead to play. Uh, but even when I got to the ground, yeah, it was really probably the worst fog I've seen at a game. That north stand could have been full or empty. I have no idea. Couldn't see anyone in it. Couldn't see the ball as soon as it went sort of anywhere into the um, into the far half of the pitch. So when people were sending me, you know, WhatsApps with images of the of the game, saying, "Oh, yeah, it's a bit tricky to see." I was like, "It looks much clearer on those images than it does here in person." <laughs> But, you know, it sort of added to the occasion. Um, there was a good atmosphere. Southstand was in good voice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we were just hoping that we'd be able to sort of see the game to completion and that the fog wasn't going to mean gets called off with five minutes to go or something. But, yeah, how was your experience sort of watching the, the build-up to the game, sort of having the match of the day theme tune and then it's at our little stadium? I have to be honest uh, with the honest one, Simon. Unfortunately, um, the venue we watched uh, the game in did the old classic, well, there's clearly only four of you watching this poxy cup tie, so we're not going to give you the full volume until kickoff. So we did get to watch on mute, uh, you know, the the, the interviews with, um, I think Ardley was interviewed, wasn't he, in, in his coat and his, and his hat trying to keep warm. So we didn't really get to take full advantage, unfortunately, of what um, the Beep had prepared for us. So I can't really comment on that too much. It was good to see, you know, um, a, a, a stadium that I recognise so well be the setting. Um, it looked like uh, we had good guests in um, Osman and uh, Dublin. Did get a wry laugh um, from our group when Leon Osman was talking about whatever it was that he was talking about and the little uh, bottom, you know, info bar pops up with his name uh, and said that he played for Carlisle United against the Oxford in 2002. <laughs> So that was his credentials for uh, for taking part in the yeah. media coverage of this game, which got a got a laugh out of us uh, in the pub. Yeah, it's probably what he's best known for, isn't it, Leon Osman? Really? <laughs> that, that game for Carlisle, uh, not the England cap or anything. 
Nah, no. But yeah, it was there was a little montage of York, which um, drone shots of the city, and then some uh, clips from you know Happy Wanderers, nineteen fifty five, mm-hmm. and the Arsenal Cup game, stuff like that. Which um, had I been watching at home, that would have definitely uh, got me into the mood for the game. And then mm-hmm. yeah, there was a pitch side interview. Uh, Chappers was interviewing Neil Ardley. And yeah, the only sort of notable thing I got out of that was when they'd asked him how he'd prepared for the game. And he basically said, well, you know, our second 11 isn't good enough to replicate what Wigan are going to do. So I played 13 players against 11 <laughs> to try and uh, make it. He, he mentioned it that in the pre, pre-match precedent he as well. And I, I thought to myself, that's genius. That's a great idea. That is a really good idea. Well, it's a crowd of almost 7,000 inside this stadium. Some who at moments this afternoon wondered whether the weather would curtail the kickoff. It hasn't. And cup fever is certainly reached this part of Yorkshire. First of all, starting with the lineups, most uh, interesting thing was that Alex Woodyard had his red card rescinded. So mm-hmm. he was able to play after all. Yeah, we were going with very much a 5 4 1. So Daly was slotting in at um, sort of the left of the back three with Lottie Fairweather at left wing back. Uh, no Ollie Green, so it was Ollie Dyson and, and Paddy alongside Woodyard in midfield with Scott Burgess sort of uh, supporting Lenny up front. I think I touched on this point a little bit uh, during the Maidenhead review. Paddy and Dyson, I think, are the likes and respects their respective work rates. And in, an, in a sort of underdog environment, I could have guessed those two starting. Probably not you know, the two that I'd want to start. I personally would like to have seen Green in there for his tenacity, you know, and his um, technique on the ball. But also I can see why Adley um, picked those two for this for this encounter. Dyson, you know, in his cameos, I don't think he's been great. Paddy, you can, you can always get a tune out of him in, in the midfield role. As long as he's not playing the Woodyard role, trying to, you know, be the defensive shield. If he's a bit more further up the pitch and trying to, uh, get passes going and such. That's that's his, even at his his big age, he's still um, very reasonable at that. But I've not we've not quite seen it that recently from Dyson. Yeah, and in terms of Wigan's lineup, it was the same team they uh, played when they'd beaten Fleetwood in the league three mm-hmm. nil earlier in the week. So it was you know a full strength team. But yeah, we'd set up quite defensively or so it seemed. But for the first fifteen minutes or so, we were probably slightly on top. We were sort of sitting back quite deep without the ball but when we got it we were looking to push forward um mm. didn't create too many clear chances probably the best moment was Latty Fairweather's run into the box after um Dyson sort of released him down the left wing yeah it was an interesting run that because what I liked was he, he cut when he cuts inside the defender doesn't know you know because we know Latty Fairweather's got two two decent feet the defender's a little bit bamboozled by him and he he risks um a penalty doesn't he he um he puts his arms around Latty uh, Fairweather and Terry does well to stay on his feet in the pub. I did, I did think be cheeky, take a little dive, give the referee something to think about. But I suppose the other side to that is you know, you you, you lose possession, you lose the, the momentum of the of the attack for you know what is a gamble and could technically be con- um, misconstrued as cheating. But no, I think, um, look, you know, watching the highlights back as well, you know, since that the, the, the defender's uh, arms are on on Thierry, it's certainly something that could have been uh. The referee could have had to uh, ponder. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was down the far end. I didn't really see what was happening once uh, Latifair <laughs> with a past a certain point. But watching it back, and I've seen a still image where the 
defender's clearly got his arm around him. I think it was only briefly there. Like you say, yeah, it's probably it one where there. he could have gone down when the contact happened, but whether it would have been given or not, not entirely sure. So, yeah, it's a tricky one, but he didn't manage to get his shot off, just sort of overran it a little mm. bit. It was an interesting game for Latifair with it because I think he gave the ball away three times in the first few minutes. And we mm-hmm. were thinking, oh no, is he going to be having one of those games where he gets a bit exposed? But actually, in terms of going forward, he was one of our main outlets, really. Obviously, we mm-hmm. had that fairly solid or stodgy even midfield. So it was it was down to the wingbacks to get up in support of the attacks. And he did fairly well. But yeah, even for the first sort of 25 minutes, we felt fairly comfortable. There was one chance where Luke Daly gave the ball away when he was trying to play out from the back. Which Oh yeah, that was crazy defending, wasn't yeah, it? I don't he, know what he was thinking. To be honest, I, when he joined the club, I know Ardley described him as being quite a confident lad. And I can mm-hmm. see what he means now because he did that multiple times. That was the only time he gave it away. But there were a few times when your heart's a little bit in your mouth where he's uh, you know, he he's attempting to beat a player near his mm-hmm. own box. But overall I thought he had a pretty good game. But yeah, he gave the ball away. Came to Marshall Goddo, who shot straight at David Stockdale. So it was a decent chance, but fairly comfortable save. Mm-hmm. But then around the half hour mark, Wigan really started to sort of impose themselves on the game they had three really decent chances in quick succession which at least one of them probably should have been the opening goal now you've, you've, you've described it really well though simon because i remember up until that first chance thinking this is very strange feeling this i think we're not in control as you say but we we're very comfortable very relaxed we we're trying to play football the right way um it wasn't quite back to the wall at that point but as you just um said there suddenly at that half an hour mark wigan just turned a screw and I, I, yeah, I counted three uh, great chances in a, in a, in a row. Um, and I might have to get them all mixed up in my head, so I'll let you lead on this, and then I'll get my opinion after each one. Yeah, I mean, I might get mixed up as well, to be honest, <laughs> even though I've got the notes written down here. But the first one was Stephen Humphreys, who was playing up front for them. So that was where he did like a really nice little turn after he received the ball, and then mm. sort of beat Cordner to run into the box. Really decent run. And created the chance for himself, but his shot was too close to Stockdale, really. It was a bit of a low shot that was yep. fairly another fairly comfortable save. The, when he receives the ball, and he does that lovely cheeky turn to um, lose um, both big hair and hair, like a Turkish barber, just absolutely fantastic. Humphreys was a difference. We can look at the you know specific bits of play, but um, they're, they're, they're number 11, Humphreys. I just cannot get over how good he was and how better he was than a lot of the other Wigan players. He stood out incredibly so. But yeah, the next chance was Humphreys again, where he was played in by a long ball this time. Not sure if we were trying to play the offside trap, but he he was free and then he beat Luke Daly and Stockdale um, sort of took it out wide. And I think what he tried to do was back heel it into the open net from a tight angle and just completely missed the ball. Um, But he he sort of... um, yeah, got his feet a bit tangled up. So he did all the hard work to beat the players, but couldn't quite finish it. You're exactly right. And he's a little bit cheeky trying to do that, um, the back heel. Um, he's clearly, as I said, a, a very, very good player. He was the best player on the field on, on Friday night. I don't think he needed to be quite so um, arrogant with that type of finish. Just, you know, do your best to slot it in properly. And, you know, that's when the game can, that's when Wigan can really, really start to hurt York. Yeah. And the chances just kept coming. So there was one. Immediately, a minute later, um, this time it was Callum Lang who went through. And again, he sort of went around Stockdale. Again, at a fairly tight angle to the goal. 
but it just took too long over it. This was right in front of me where I was in the south stand and mm-hmm. just let Stockdale have enough time to recover. No, you're right. And uh, Stock, uh, Stockdale does really well, doesn't he? Because he kind of tackles him and then keeps the ball in play to to retrieve it with his yeah. hands. Something I don't think I've seen a goalkeeper do um, at any level for quite a while. It's there was some some good um, some good solid goalkeeping from uh, from the 38 year old. Yeah, they definitely mentioned him rolling back the years a few times, which, uh, <laughs> which you love to see. The, but um, the klaxon was going off, wasn't it? But yeah, after that little trio of chances, we'd sort of weathered the storm because you were thinking, okay, yeah, they they're coming. The goal's inevitable at some point in the next few minutes. But yeah, we mm-hmm. we sort of rode that out, and then. We actually had, well, a potential penalty where there was a handball on 38 minutes. Adiko, the Wigan player, um, was sort of challenging with Cordner in the box and the ball bounces off his... Um, it does, I mean, it definitely hits his hand in the replay. The question is whether it should be a penalty. I mean, for me, it's one where if it was VAR, if you're watching it back in slow motion, it probably gets given because that's not a natural angle and so on. I'm not a huge fan of all these questionable handball decisions being given i think it should only yeah. be for deliberate handball that wasn't deliberate so i don't really like to see those given but like i say if if it's on a game with var i think it probably does get given no you're right um it's a very modern football um decision that isn't it i think you've nailed it i really want this to be a penalty for the obvious of obvious reasons at the time i, I think i did text you didn't i saying uh it was a penalty i guess what what is now making me realise? I'm trying to talk myself into it being a penalty by saying the trajectory of the ball hitting his arm stops it from going to a York player for an opportunity. So for me, I, that that makes it an absolute stonewaller. But by the letter of the law, and I might be wrong here, but I think I am right because it's hit. I think it hits his torso first and bounces up and then hits his arm and directs away. I think because it hits his torso first, it's not a handball. Now, um, happy for someone to correct me on that because I know there's different interpretations of the handball law on the continent as there is in the English game. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But um, I think that's the reason why it's not a penalty, frustratingly. And the other thing from the first half I wanted to mention was, well, it was Alex Woodyard generally, but in particular a tackle he made after Cordner got himself into a bit of trouble, sort of trying to clear it or, or failing to clear it really giving it away and then Woodyard comes back with a with a saving tackle and there were two or three times where he did that mm. and you suddenly think you know where's this player been hiding all this time this is the uh this is the play we needed who's going to be chasing every lost cause winning it back winning headers yeah I just thought it was superb in that first half particularly no you're right um and what I love about this tackle is it could have gone horrifically wrong couldn't it uh the speed and um precision at which he comes in uh almost like some sort of like 1950s American cartoon, you know, just out of nowhere, this player just slides in and retrieves the ball uh, with Cordner getting himself into all sorts of trouble. And then it's even kept in, isn't it? I think, is it, uh, is it Daly keeps it in uh, on the byline and then pings it forward? It's really, really good play all round uh, after um, Cordner's been rescued by uh, by Woody. I think we'll touch on um, Woodyard a bit more during the course of this, but um, that's when you're like realising, bloody hell, he's had a really good half here. He's He's broke up so much play against the League One side. He looks really, really good. And then, yeah, that leads to the next question that every Yorkshire fans asking themselves: is, why couldn't he not be doing this all season? But you know, one for the cameras. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing: is it did he raise his game for the occasion, or because he was so pleased to have suddenly been given permission to play when he thought he wasn't going to? Mm. Or is it the the type of game where he's better when we're going to be 
chasing the ball against better opposition rather than when we've got a lot of possession. That's maybe not as much his strength. Hopefully a positive sign for his performances for the rest of the season. But yeah, we got to half time, nil-nil. Uh, what were your thoughts sort of on the first half overall? Were you encouraged or did you think, okay, well, they've had a few chances. We can't carry on like this expecting them to miss every one. Uh, the, fo- the first 45 went by so quickly that I was very much encouraged. The game plan of restricting them, bringing the game down to, you know, as I mentioned, the, the workman-like midfield, I think it paid dividends. I think Adley wanted to try and block the game off into different um, you know, parts, didn't he? So get to, get to 45, try and get to an hour, get to 75 and, and that sort of thinking. So with that in mind, I thought it was a great start. Most of the team had played well. I was very, very excited about the second half. Yeah, now I don't know if in the bar you were watching it in whether they turned the volume down again at halftime, but there was a uh, there was an interview pitch side with Matt Ugla, which was which was quite interesting. Could you hear that one? We did. We got to hear Ugla's uh, uh, interview, and I thought he did great. I thought he did really, really great. Um, the qu- the questions were a bit, you know, a bit soft. You know, easy throws, easy deliveries for him to bat away, but. He speak when he knows what he's when he when he knows what he wants to say. He speaks with um, enthusiasm, with um, positivity, and I think he represented himself and the club very very well. Yeah, the interesting answers I thought was when he mentioned about recruitment not going ideally over summer. Or Adley's improved that since he's come in, so he's kind of recognizing yes. maybe some of the um, naivety of the of the summer recruitment. Mm-hmm. Also, the uh, when when he was for some reason asked whether he's going to bring the North American sports model to this country, despite <laughs> not being North American himself, and just replied with no. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, that got a wry laugh from uh, from us in the in the bar as well. Just um, very dry, wasn't it? Just, no, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and they did keep pushing him for sort of um, the soundbite of oh, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in mm. ten years? And he he was quite smart in sort of resisting that, giving very diplomatic answers about. You know, investing in the infrastructure, getting through this season. Uh, I mean, did say we're too good to go down, which I was a little bit. Oh, I shouldn't really say that, but you know, <laughs> other than that, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was very well handled. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's go into the second half then. And for the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes, again, we were fairly solid. There wasn't any particular chances of note, and I think we were just coming up to the hour mark, and I, I did actually say oh i can sort of i can start to see a way that we can get a result here if Mm -hmm. we can hold out just a bit longer you know we're at an hour we'll bring Mm. our subs on soon you know the likes of maz kennedy saziba whoever that may be then we can start to stretch the play all we need is for stockdale to continue having a great game and we just need to take one of our chances i could start to see okay you know that there's a route through this game for us even though wigan are clearly superior sounds like one of very few things that you could see (laughs) Yeah, um, but that was literally about 30 seconds before the uh, the goal went in. So, yeah, shows what I know. Now then, this is Humphreys. This is an opportunity, and it's one he's taken. Cordner with the error. And Stephen Humphreys wasn't missing that for Wigan. York held out for an hour, but the Latics top scorer gets his ninth of the season. Stockdale is finally beaten and the league one side have the lead. It's frustrating because it's how I know it. You know, it's it's Howe's punt upfield. It gets returned. 
And before you know it, Humphreys has thrown goal. It's so quick and there's no great technique or ability about anything that happens apart from Humphreys finishes as well to round, to round Stockdale. But how it, like getting there is what I mean. So it's 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 so needlessly um, given given them to them, isn't it? Um, unfortunately, I don't want to don't want to jump on on card uh, on card them anything. But you know, it, it is his missed header. Can you want to blame the fog, the lights? I don't know. It's concentration, perhaps. But unfortunately, it, it is his uh, his header that's missed. Yeah, it is a mistake, and it was really confusing, sort of understanding how it happened on the night and. He only comes into shot on the actual TV coverage, sort of last minute, so it's difficult to see um, exactly how it transpired because he seemed to completely misread the flight of the ball somehow, and I think it must have been that he lost visibility in the fog or something like that, because yeah, there's not really any other explanation. But yeah, he just comes too far forward or he jumps early, and yeah, unfortunately Humphreys is basically through on goal. I mean, we say he's through on goal, he's still got quite a bit of ground to cover. It did, mm-hmm. you know. It, it it took a decent, um, decent forward to to turn that into a such a simple chance, and he brought it into the box, took it round Stockdale, slotted it into the open net. But yeah, it's when they had been trying so hard to break down our defence, trying these little passing moves that weren't quite coming off, for it to be such a, a straightforward goal was was quite frustrating. Yeah, and in the sort of ten minutes after that, we seemed to lose our way a bit. I guess we'd set up to be solid, to not concede. And then once we had conceded, but we were still in that 5-4-1 system, what we seem to be doing then is just hitting it long to John Lewis, but with nobody near him. And mm. Full credit to him, he was winning a lot of headers, but there was nobody there to pick up the knockdowns and it, was, it wasn't it was working in any way. So the question just became, okay, when are we going to bring some subs on? If we're yeah. going to play in this direct way, we need someone up in support of him. Do you think the subs came too, too late? Possibly. I mean, like I say... You could see pretty much straight after the goal went in what we were trying to do and why it wasn't working. Now, Adley said in the interview he always planned to bring them on about 70 minutes. I think mm-hmm. it's 73 minutes in the end after there was a an injury. So there's 13 minutes between the goal and the subs. I think you could make an argument. That's maybe the one thing he could have done differently because I think overall he yeah. set the side up really well to try and get a result. The subs were the right ones. But yeah, could they have been a bit earlier? Possibly. Um, but before the subs actually happened, there's the uh, there's the incident with Stockdale getting the yellow card. Use your pace, David. <laughs> yeah, so this one's where uh, a long ball downfield found its way to Callum Lang. Uh, Stockdale came out, but yeah, he misjudged this one, unfortunately. He's beaten out wide, does what any good goalkeeper does. He blocks the cross with his hand, but unfortunately he's, uh, <laughs> he's outside the area at this point. Now, again, this is one where it was happening down the other end, so couldn't quite see what had happened, but you you sort of, you could tell from the crowd's reaction, and you could hear the chance of off, and I was kind of, yeah, bracing myself for, for the red card to come out. I thought it was a red uh, there and then, but um, maybe I don't know the laws on this one either. <laughs> After discussing a handball shot in the first half, maybe the same for this one. I thought it was a, a handball for a goalkeeper outside the penalty area was a straight red, Clearly isn't. Um, that's my knowledge gap. Um, I probably need to brush up on the uh, the laws of the game for that one. Um, but yeah, my initial reaction, same as you, like that gut feeling of, right, which midfielder's coming off for Watson then? Yeah, well, I didn't really know the full intricacies of the rule either. Uh, but luckily, I did listen to the Wigan Athletic podcast, Progress with Unity, uh, which mm-hmm. I appeared on last week in, in the preview. 
listened to their review of the game, and they had done their uh, their due diligence and looked up the rules. Apparently, it's a yellow card if if the goalkeeper handling outside the area prevents a let me just check the wording promising situation, and mm-hmm. it's a red if it presents an obvious goal scoring opportunity. So the question is, is it an obvious goal scoring opportunity? Now Stockdale's out of his area, so there's obviously some opportunity, but you know the ball was quite far out wide. We had quite a few players back. Their view on on the Wigan podcast was that yellow was probably the right decision. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 happy with that. Uh, that's good research. That, that's well stolen, Simon. Good work. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we kept eleven men on the pitch. Stockdale continued rolling back the years, and we did make those two subs. So it was Maz Kuya and Xander Sizibu came on for Luke Daly and Paddy McLaughlin. So we're losing one of the centre-backs, going to a 4-3-3 with two wingers up in support of John Lewis. So yeah, clearly sort of uh, mm-hmm. deciding to go for it a bit more. And if we concede another goal, so be it. But let's at least give it a go. We had another handball shout a few minutes later after a corner where the ball kind of rolled down one of their defenders and seemed to possibly hit his arm just before mm-hmm. uh, Dyson scooped a shot wide. What was your view on this one? Yeah, not don't think this was as much a handball as one we discussed earlier for the first half. Um, from your point of view, how close do you think Dyson's effort was? It's difficult to tell, really. You, you never really quite thought it was going in. But mm-hmm. when, when a shot's looping up in the air like that, it's, it's hard to tell exactly where it's going to land. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar on TV, but I don't think it was all that close. Sure. But yeah, we, we were starting to apply a bit more pressure ourselves and actually threaten the goal, possibly for the first time all evening, really. And we had another decent chance uh, when Maz Kuya, who looked um, very energetic when he came on. Points uh, approved sort of substitution, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And he was yeah he was causing them problems down that left-hand side. Uh, and then with this one, he cut inside, hit a fairly powerful shot, which you could see was sort of arrowing goalwards, but uh, the keeper, uh, Mr. Tickle, who we'll uh, probably talk a bit more about later, he used those long arms of his and he uh, tipped it over uh, for a corner. I think watching it back, it's sort of it's sort of straight at him. Mm. It's a difficult one because it's powerful and it's high, but I think if it's in either corner, then it's probably got more chance of going in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, at the time, very exciting. Thought it was a worldie of a save but you, you, you're dead right it's more comfortable than the than i initially thought but a lot of credit to Maz for you know cutting it inside like that and getting a shot away um really testing um mr tickle um so yeah it was um a really good effort and that's like it sounded like it, got, it sounded like it got south stand really involved didn't it, it sound like it started to wake it was a good atmosphere anyway but those are sort of efforts that get people enthused and going uh you know get some going doesn't it uh, Wigan was still threatening, so Callum McManaman came off the bench, uh, former FA Cup winner, uh, as we mentioned last week, and he had decent effort saved on 87 minutes. That was a really good save from Stockdale as well, wasn't it? That was him showing experience. Uh, a less quality goalkeeper is not getting to that, to that shot. Yeah, and I think McManaman, he wasn't on the pitch for long, but he seemed to cause quite a bit of trouble for us uh, mm. with his sort of skill, and he was going on a few little mazy runs. I wonder whether... If he'd been on from the start, he might have hurt us a bit. Yeah. But we still had time for a couple more chances. First one, 89 minutes, where um, there's a Fallowfield cross to Maz, 
um, who sort of near the goal line heads it back to Ollie Dyson, who plays a little chipped cross through to John Lewis, who's in a really good position in front of goal, but he just gets the header all wrong. It's it yeah. bounces off his head at the completely wrong angle. Don't know if it even hit his shoulder or something, but yeah, I, I think it ended up maybe going out for a throw-in even. Yeah, that was a, an underrated chance, I think. Um, John Lewis does really well to find himself in that, that much space, but you've simply got to get that on target. Sorry, no excuses. That has to go on target. Yeah, and then John Lewis had another headed attempt a couple of minutes into stoppage time. This time, uh, it's Maz beating his man out wide, getting a good cross in, um, but John Lewis did make a decent contact, but it just went over. Now, for this one... Mm-hmm. I don't think you can blame him too much. I think it was just a little bit too high. I think a few inches lower, and he might have got that one in. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, it was probably always going over, sort of chance, but um, in that rush of half chances that we've been getting towards the end of the game, he kind of thought, oh, maybe. And uh, yeah, I can only imagine the um, the sound that the South Stand made. This is when he started thinking, if we just had Davies and or... Dippo on the pitch would yeah. one of these oh, chances yeah. have gone in again not a criticism of John Lewis because overall he did a lot of good work for us on the night but mm-hmm. these two chances they were the ones I think that that could have uh, could have got us the draw mm-hmm. Wigan still pressed for the second goal there was a really good chance on 98 minutes again it's Callum McManaman on the counter attack um, but he hit it just over the bar did actually manage to go over 100 minutes in the game, uh, first time I've seen it at the LNER, and the uh, I'm delighted to say the new scoreboard does not go above 99 minutes 59 seconds. <laughs> so we were, yes. we were stuck in limbo with no idea how much more time had passed. This is the sort of content we need for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the banter era will never die. Exactly right. And the 2013 winners of the FA Cup, Wigan Athletics. Are safely through to the third round. One goal enough for Sean Maloney's side. Scored by Stephen Humphreys after 61 minutes to navigate the away tie at the National League Club, who gave it everything with a late rally with a couple of opportunities for John Lewis. But it is Wigan who will have a number in Sunday's draw for the third round. They've won it here by one goal to nil. Yeah, so what were you... What are your sort of overall thoughts on the game itself and just generally the experience of, of watching us live on the BBC, I guess? Um, can't help but feel like there was a missed opportunity there, especially with those chances uh, late in the second half. But Wigan were probably, you know, the better team of the course of 90. But I was uh, pleasantly and genuinely surprised by how positive a lot of our play was. Um, I was just having like visions of that, like the Mills. Uh, York performance away at Bolton, um, Bolton back in 2011. Just like it was all 10 men behind the ball and hope for the best. With this, we tried to play a bit of football. Woodyard was man of the match for us by a country mile, as we said. Best we've seen him play in a, in a York kit. He was absolutely fantastic. He broke up so much play over the course of 90. I don't think he really seemed to tire either. He just, um, just kept going. So um, proved that he can do it. After you know some criticism of his um, performances in the in the first team in the league, so ultimately, I'm just happy that I got the uh, the call right. I said one nil, pig of a game, and uh, yeah, never doubt the Aspinall. Yeah, I mean, we did say last week 
that most City fans would be happy with sort of a battling performance, putting in a decent mm. show on TV and falling to a narrow defeat. That's what happened, so we can't be too disappointed. But I was still a little bit frustrated coming away from the game. Like you say, I think Wigan deserved to win it on balance, but mm-hmm. we had the chances to steal a draw and yeah. get that replay. Let's take a look at the tweets we had in response to the game. A lot of praise for Woodyard, as we mentioned. Uh, one from J286 here. If we can have that Woodyard every week, it would make a massive difference. Given our cup-tied players and injuries, a really creditable performance that nicks a draw on another day. Ugler and Adley interviews added further reassurance that we're on the right track. Along similar lines, Essex Benji said, Woodyard brilliant. Maz showed his quality. Adley had a clear plan and players knew their roles. Big difference from previous managers. You can see the improvement since he's taken over. Hoping for a comfortable mid-table finish and a good FA Trophy run this year. There was one other tweet that I wanted to uh, mention, which was a tweet from the club account itself the following day. So it read, York City Football Club is incredibly disappointed and strongly condemns the unacceptable antisocial behaviour shown to players and visiting broadcaster personnel during last night's fixture. Any person identified and proved to have been involved in this behaviour will receive further repercussions from the football club. Did you see that one? I did see a tweet. Very confused about it, if really honest, because um, there's, been, there's been speculation online about what happened. If you're going to act like a bit of an idiot to people who are just trying to do a job, you know, put us on TV, you know, no need. But then again, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what's happened. But based on the speculation that I've read, um, I'd be very disappointed if people thought that was appropriate behaviour. Yeah, I mean, all I can think it was, based on what I saw from the South Stand, there was some stuff going on with it, one of the cameramen behind the goal. Mostly, there were just a few streamers being thrown at him, which, all right, it's annoying. But I did see a couple of plastic bottles as well, which obviously, like you say, it's someone trying to do the job. Yeah, so I can only assume it was in relation to that. I think it was just a lot of teenagers in the South Stand who, in fairness, you know, I'm not going to single out younger fans. They were a big part of making the atmosphere good on the night. They were mm-hmm. getting chants going and so on. Um, but I think some of them, you know, got a little bit overexcited forgot that we need to be on our best behavior when we're on national TV. Um, I didn't Mm -hmm. think too much of it on the night, but yeah, on reflection, yeah, that's not really what advert we want to be giving for our football club, I guess. Yeah, that's it. They're representing, they're representing themselves, but also the club, aren't they? Yeah. And in terms of mentioning uh, behavior towards players, all I can think is it was maybe some of the chance towards Sam Tickle in the Wigan goal. Mm -hmm. It seems to have been a bit of an on-running thing of chanting about the opposition goalkeeper being a pedo, which, Mm -hmm. you know, banter with goalkeepers and home fans has been part of the game for a long time. Don't think Mm -hmm. it should go away, but the thing is it has to actually be funny and that chant isn't very funny, really. Mm. It's not creative, is it? I mean, the man's called Tickle. Well, that's the thing. Do something with the name, you know, do something with something that's happened in the game. And in fairness, they did then move on to Tickle Tickle's Children. Which, (laughs) that's fine. That's a lot better. Because that could be perfectly innocent as well. No. Well, it could be. Yeah. Hey, do you reckon um, Sam Sickle really wanted to play in this fixture extra extra hard because he misheard our nickname as the Mr. Men? Oh, he probably did, didn't he? Yeah. This this will have been his big moment. He'd be like, I'm going to see all all my old mates, Mr. Strong and the other ones. 
That's it. Yeah, that, name all the ones you can think of. Well, yeah. I've got them all upstairs in my daughter's bedroom. If you want, I can go get them. Uh, maybe I'll offer. We'll have a love it. I think um, chanting about the goalkeepers, as you say, is in part of the game for forever. Um, we got a laugh out of the York fans having back and forth with, um, was it Needham Market goalkeeper, the big lad? Yeah. So, you know, and that was sent and received in the spirit in which it was intended. With this, this doesn't sound particularly inventive, apart from the uh, second chant that you've amused me with. So, yeah, I mean, we've all said silly things at stadiums that didn't, let, you know, didn't land not not as funny as you thought it was going to be. Well, we've said them on so, podcasts, to be fair. That, that so. as well. That's why I now uh, keep my uh, opinions to myself and only air them to um, hundreds of York fans online. Um, but yeah, it was Wigan who made it through to the third round. So we weren't really paying much attention to the third round draw on Sunday mm. um, until they got a home draw against Manchester United. And that would have been our number as well. So We would have had the same number if we'd have won. That's correct, yes, because um, round two draws are in numerical order. And then, so the winner of Wigan or York would have gone through to the next, uh, you know, it would be in the hat or that machine thing that they use. And it would have been the same number regardless because it's based on a, a tie number in round two. Yeah. So, so riddle me this. Would us winning or even drawing mm. the game mm. on Friday night, would that have set off a butterfly effect to mean that the balls were drawn out in a different order? Because that's what some people seem to be suggesting. Do you think we would have drawn Manchester United if it had been us? Is there any point even debating this question? I don't think you want to do it to yourself, Simon. It's, it's You're just going to hurt yourself emotionally and potentially physically. So just accept that we're going to, going to have their day in the sun and uh, have, I'd argue, let's say, I, I think it's probably going to be the biggest game in their history uh, at home to Manchester United in the FA Cup. And uh, we wish them well. Yeah. Well, here's another question for you then. Would it have been worse if we had got a draw, mm. taking it to a replay, so we would have known we had Man United waiting and then inevitably yeah. lost 3-0 in the replay? Would that have been better have or been, worse? That would have been really painful. I would not have enjoyed that whatsoever. But maybe that would have inspired the York players to play better in said um, theoretical replay, knowing that the promised land is a, a home tie against Manchester United. These are, these are things that we're, we're just guessworking. You know, we're just spitballing here, Simon. We'll never know. Uh, and now all that remains is just to focus on the real quiz. Is that the FA Trophy? That's the FA Trophy, baby. Yeah, well, we will talk about that um, shortly. But yeah, let's look at other other things happening at the club. Mm-hmm. Main news since last time is that the proposal to increase the Oogler's shares to 75% was overwhelmingly accepted. So there was a 94% yes vote, and that was on a turnout of 71%. So... We thought it would go through fairly easily, and seems to be the uh, the case in what happened in the numbers. Uh, we yeah we we covered our thoughts on it previously, so no need to go into it in too much depth. But yeah, I guess it's just a another step in the uh, in the, the uglification of the club. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm. Any thoughts on on this outcome? So ninety four percent voted yes of a seventy one percent turnout. That's correct. Yeah, that is correct. That's a landslide. <laughs> that is a landslide, and it's definitely a majority. Our next game brings us right back down to earth because it's a trip to Nantwich Town, the Mm -hmm. Swansway Stadium. As I'm sure you're you're well aware, yeah, we are going to have a uh, 
a trip to play the dabbers. They play bingo? No, they just do that, that dance that was a craze about 10 years ago or whatever. Oh, I should, should sign Jesse Lingard. <laughs> but yeah, in all seriousness, they are in the Northern Premier League Division 1 West, the mid-table mm-hmm. in that league. They did beat Chester in the last round, so, you know, we've got that in common. Yeah, we've all done that, though, haven't we? Yeah, what what are your expectations of this game? Do you think Ardley's going to rotate? Do you think he's going to take the trophy seriously? I mean, we've got a very distinguished history in this competition. I think I might speak for a lot of York City fans' opinion on the FA Trophy when I say I don't care about it until maybe the quarterfinal, semi-final stage. I'm seeing this weekend as a weekend for me personally to have a break. I don't have to focus on the football. I can do something else on my weekend. And then um, give it until we, you know, get into the last eight or last four. That's when I might start paying attention to uh, tickets and train fares. So, yeah, I, I shan't be making the um, excursion from West Yorkshire to uh, deepest, darkest Cheshire for this one. I looked up and once you're getting into three trains in the bus territory, that's when uh, it's it's an arm out from, from, from Aspinall. So I'll follow along, probably on socials. I'd be intrigued to see the lineup. I would like to see some rotation, but then you do think, like, who can we rotate in? Really, there's um... yeah. Full disclosure: we won't be releasing a podcast just covering that game. Yep, neither of us will be in attendance. But like I say, we'll we'll follow along. We'll watch the highlights should they become available. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll cover that along with the Rochdale game um, the following <laughs> weekend. Um, but yeah, can I get a Ben Aspinall prediction for the Nantwich game? Um... I'm going to go for uh, Natwich nil, York City 1. Okay. But yeah, as mentioned, the Saturday after that, we travel to Rochdale. Hell yes. And yeah, I know this, this is a local one for you, isn't it? It's my local fixture. I, I need, need to work out, because uh, I'm epicentre between Halifax and Rochdale, which one's closer for me. I, I think it's probably Halifax. But other than that, yeah, this is my local fixture. Uh, very, very excited. Uh, holding court with some friends for the day. We're going to go out uh, around Hebden Bridge before getting some taxis across uh, to Rochdale to uh, Spotland, or the Crown Oil Arena, as I think it's called now. So the day itself is going to be fantastic. Can't say I'm worried about the football just yet. Hopefully we'll have some injury um, players who are injured come back. I'm looking at you, Mr. Batty, and you, Mr. Akinyemi. But uh, yeah, quite excited about this one. Yeah, so Rochdale are currently eighth in the table. They've won four of the last six league games, so they're in Fairly decent form. Now, of course, we will be looking for revenge after they uh, killed off Mikey Morton uh, in his mm. last game in charge with that 3-1 win at the LNER where uh, Mr. Aspinall ruined it. And I assume a uh, fairly well-oiled Mr. Aspinall will be hoping to ruin this game as well. Wait a minute. Mr. Aspinall was the referee, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, thank God. I thought he actually... You, you gave me the fear then. I thought he actually did do something in the terrace to uh, ruin the game for everyone. Oof. Phew! Their manager is Jimmy McNulty. So, do you think this one's going to go down to the wire, or is it going to be a? Uh... Oh yep. dear me! Oh dear, dear that 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 joke has sent my head, Dominic West. <laughs> but yeah, do you think this this game will resemble a shootout on the streets of Baltimore, or do you think it'll be a fairly chilled out affair? What are you expecting from this game, and can we get a prediction? Uh, well, I, I don't know yet because I think we need to. Uh see what the availability is like out on some of our players that are awaiting their return. Uh, Rochdale are, you know, in decent enough form as well. When they came to the uh, the um, LNR, they gave us a bloody good game, didn't they? They really played well. So at the moment, I'm not overtly confident. 
but then what will happen is I'll um have one or two light hails on that on that particular Saturday, and that's when I'll start thinking that we're going to batter these lots. So, uh, just to to get the admin out of the way, I'm going to go for a um one one draw. Excellent. So the club was founded in 1922, so it's taken 101 years for us to appear live on the BBC. Mm-hmm. How many years do you think until until our next appearance? Hopefully not another 101, because um, you know, hopefully I'll be dead by then. Well, I think you'll find our disembodied heads will still be recording <laughs> our reactions to that, <laughs> powered by some horrific AI algorithm. There's a mental image that you're going to take away from the uh, for the rest of the day. Yeah. As always, we appreciate all your interaction on social media. We are at Same Old City Pod on Twitter slash X and Instagram, as well as any ratings and reviews you can give us on your podcasting platforms of choice. Anything to add to that, Ben? No, um, just love uh, hearing your opinions after the games, no matter when, lose or draw. Uh, we have got a sound community of fans that uh, enjoy the pod, so thank you very much for listening. Um, we really enjoy it. We really enjoy communicating with you. Yeah, an advance warning that I will be putting out a call for uh, Christmas puns to build a Christmas 11 of current and ex-City players. So start thinking on those because, you know, we, we like to crowdsource this content rather than having to think it up ourselves. Jesus Christ. I'm sure that's one you'll be particularly looking forward to, Ben. Yep, can't wait. That's going to be even worse than the snooker puns. But yes, as ever, thanks very much for listening to Same Old City. Until next time. Keep the faith. It was a warm, sunny morning. In his small house at the other side of the wood, Mr. Tickle was asleep. You didn't know that there was such a thing as a tickle, did you? Well, well, there is. Tickles are small and round, and they have arms that stretch and stretch and stretch. Extraordinarily long arms. 